financial literacy. Every guy in his. We can't broke no more. No, no. Money got rise up to the top floor. Right. Invest the bread, got save some more. Yeah. One count some money to me and them sore. Uh. Nah, snatch no chain, nah, rob nobody. Use the lessons I learn from. Mommy can't be a failure. Gotta be somebody, gotta make some money. Yeah. Common sense. You can't be a dunstug, you gotta get sense. Yeah. Save every dollar, make investments. Can't surround yourself with bare silly friends. Watch common sense with my true yeah. Facebook, Instagram, plus YouTube. Some lookers aid and link with your crew. Money conversations is what we do. Gosh. Common sense. Yeah. You can't be a dunstug, you gotta get sense. Yeah. Save every dollar, make investments. Can't surround yourself with bare silly friends. Watch common sense with my true yeah. Facebook, Instagram, plus YouTube. Yeah. Some lookers aid and link with your crew. Money conversations is what we do. Outside with the dance dogs with. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Common Sense. And tonight, as you can see, we're with an all male panel. And we're going to call tonight's segment Hardball Thursday, Hardball Meals, Hardball Common Sense. And tonight, we're just going to be gaffing, as we would say, and we're coming live from Upper Level Barbershop. Uh, that's located at Foreshaw and Light Street, so if you need a barber shop to, you know, do your lineups and stuff, you can check them out. But tonight, we're not here to talk about barbering and stuff like that. We're here to talk about money and men. And we really want to have a very, very deep, open, and honest conversation about finances and how we relate to that as men. So, like the page, share follow, send to your friends and family, and bring everybody in as we learn some common sense tonight. And I have a very diverse panel with me tonight, and we're going to get to know them a bit more now. We're going to ask each of them about their financial situation, growing up to hear about the various experiences that they had, and then we're going to get straight into the conversation. So I'm going to start off with my brother, Delon Fraser. Uh, what was your financial situation like um, growing up? Well, to be honest, um, it was very difficult at the young age trying to manage finances. You're young, and I could remember a lot of times when I used to get extra money for go to school, those money used to go right back into Pokemon cards, and then it moved from Pokemon cards into Yu-Gi-Oh! So my money used to be spent there. But then, of course, like all other things, Time changes, you learn from your mistakes and these sorts of things. I still do Pokemon, by the way. I still do collect Pokemon cards. God, they really sell very high on the market. But my eyes opened when I first started working and I realized that you, you know, we used to live from paycheck to paycheck because you used to start spending money on things that wasn't really important at that time. You're young, you now get the exposure to managing your finances. So, you know, you go drink here, you see something quite expensive, you say, well, good, you go buy it. Without even thinking about whether or not if you're going to have the remaining money for the rest of the month. And then, like, about two or three months in my job, I started feeling the blunt of it, you know? And then I spoke with a good friend of mine. And then even to this day, I still advise people on doing the same thing. So now, you know, like, when you first started, you ensure that you have, like, about two accounts. Two bank accounts. You can have a secret one so that she won't know about it. Uh -huh. But you, you could have about two accounts. 
And so the primary account is where your salary gonna be going in. And then you need to make sure that every month you're taking out a percentage of that. So for me, it was like about $10,000 because that was the money we used to be squandering all over the place. So you take like about 10,000 and put in that account. You're forgetting about that account, you know, you're not touching it until something really, really, really important that you need. So it was a gradual improvement for me in learning how to manage finances and so forth after hitting a, a really tough wall. Excellent points. Yeah. She's already answered all the questions that I had for the night already <laughs> in this opening remarks. But Kishan, growing up, what was your situation like? Yeah, good, um, good night, guys. My name is Keshav Tiwari. Uh, growing up, I, I was very comfortable. Um, my father, he came from very humble beginnings, but he was a businessman. He started working, but then he went into business. And so growing up, I, I was quite comfortable. And as he progressed in business, I became more comfortable to a certain extent, to the point that I, like I currently work, I just started working and I don't need to touch any of the money. I just send it straight into my bank account and I save from there. Um, it was, it, it's comfortable. Uh, I, do, I did have certain things that, that helped out the situation, like I was given a scholarship. Um, so generally, yeah, comfortable. Excellent. Trevon? Well, <clears throat> I came from a single parent, mother only, working for minimum wage. And we all know minimum wage back then was garbage. And I attended a senior secondary school. And I always tell people, as a not so fortunate person going to a senior school, you just feel poor. Because everybody around you always got everything. Yeah. And it's like you struggling to make it, you just feel like you're not at the level. And I never really understood the challenges my mother went through till I started to make money. And when I started to make my own money, I realized how hard it was to manage finances. And I applaud my mother for doing that for three children as a single parent, putting three children to nursery, primary, secondary, and tertiary. That was difficult. When I started to make my own money, balancing my finance, well, when you're younger, you now start making money. You start living life. We go in every night we the out, you're dangin', you're drinking, you're enjoying life. And as you said, you're living paycheck to paycheck. And I don't know if I saw 2020 coming, but in 2019, I hit a really low point. I had four bookings for one day, the same day a curl fit. All four canceled. I had no money. As a big man, I said, I'm gonna cry. Because I said, yo, I can't make it the next week. And I said, that day, I said, I said to myself, this can't happen to me again. And in 2020, I decided to start it, to put more manage, money management. So I had, as you said, I had three bank accounts. At the time I had one, I created two more bank accounts in January 2020. And what I did was 40, 40, 20. So 40% of my income went towards the business, 40% towards my saving, and 20% for me. And what from this 20% is where I would do all my danging, still would pay my bills and everything from though. And for me, I if I want to go out this weekend and spend 200,000, it means that I got to make at least a million dollars this week. Forget a 20% for go out and spend. So it basically forced me to work harder to earn more so that I could balance off. Now I got five bank accounts, money split up all over the place, and we just live comfortable. We just live comfortable. But you need to, I believe that unless you reach to the low point, 
is the only time you just open your eyes and realize that this is what you gotta do next. Thank you for got the black Mohammed here. Rian, what was your situation like growing up? Uh, well, most people that know me know that I grew up with my grandmother. Actually, my great-grandmother. And as long as I've known my great-grandmother, she's never been employed. So that should be an indication of where we started. You know, there's a song, never born rich, but you're not dead poor. Yeah, 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 yeah. something like that. So um, like growing up, I can't say I didn't have a comfortable life. I had an adequate life. But I like to learn from experience, whether it's primary experience or secondary experience. And I, I observe what was going on around me. And from there, I learned how to manage money. I remember when I got my first job, I was working for 55,000. Uh, 55,000 is a little bit money right now, you know. But when I got my first job, I was working for 55,000. I was glad. I said, hey, this is it. And then when you start working, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> this is why they can't do nothing. <laughs> Who you can do this? Bills everywhere. <laughs> we just spend it on. And then, you know, as, as you go along, you realize you, you got to add value to your money. And from there on, I realize one stream of income not going to cut it. You got to get multiple. So I, I started to develop kind of a business mentality. I remember when I was in primary school, me and two of my friends, one named Michael and Sadie, she was in Margaret's primary school, right? So there was these push points pencils. We used to sell everybody had the regular pencil, you know, push point pencils selling at family stores. So we used to go buy push point, and everybody in class was like, wow, where I get these push points from? So we started buying a couple packs of the push points. <laughs> we sell it at 30%. I used to take the money and buy marbles and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I personally definitely believe in multiple streams of incomes because, you know, easily look at the pandemic is a serious indication of what could happen. Times could change and you always got to get a brace. You definitely always got to get a brace. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, that's definitely my, my experience. And even more so when I started Panjas, like I, I was like, how business people just do this from like, but budgeting is a very important aspect. Budgeting is very important because you see how much money you're going to make, but you don't necessarily see how much you're going to spend. <laughs> so when you start budgeting and you catering for what you're going to spend, what you might spend and what you might not spend, you realize the small, how small the profit margin gets. So even in life, in everyday life, you really have to budget on what you spend. And I think what Trevon said is a really good approach. I mean, Delon, he has an account for himself and, a girl, and girls. <laughs> I, 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 I was stretching so far as to have two accounts for myself and one for girls. But you know, <laughs> I think definitely multiple streams of income is the way to go. Thank you. Well, um, basically, I grew up, well... Sorry about that, the general. The general is <laughs> Yeah, um, well, I, I grew up with, with both parents. Um, very fortunate. My dad was the sole breadwinner. Still is the sole breadwinner of the family. But I can't say that I had a difficult life. I had a relatively comfortable life. I never went without food. Everything that I needed as a child growing up, I got. I didn't know how it come. 
Oh. I didn't know they weren't rich. Yeah. But you know, my father's a hustler mentality. And I think um, from 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 very young looking at there are certain things that parents don't have to tell you but you observe as a child. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I picked those those are one of the qualities that, that I picked up from my father, being a hustler. And like like many would have noted, multiple streams of income is the way to go. But um it was basically, you know, normal going through school trying to be a regular buy, but you're not a regular buy. You know, just hanging with regular buys. Like, I, I, that's why I like, yeah, like, like, Trevor would have noticed he went to see the secondary school. I went to a school where, where regular buys used to take. Every school had a regular buys. So, you just try to fit in. And I don't know how I did it, but I tried to fit in the same way. But it, it's always a journey. In life, I always say this, you know, it's, Nothing lasts forever. So sometimes I I went to I remember going to graduation, my my secondary school and, and, and my father was studying on. And I was like, yo, I need a new pair of boots. But I didn't know how to ask for it. Because how I grew up is like, take this and be quiet, be contented. So that from since then to now, I'm not the type of person. I'm not the type of person. A lot of people might notice it, but I'm a very simple person. Very, very simple. In general, it's very simple. Dr. Adams. <laughs> Hey, so I'm David Adams. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'd say my financial journey growing up was a progressive one in the sense that I would have seen, well, my mother was, was a sole breadwinner in this case, and um, I grew up in Narkin Street and Lodge for 17 years. And um, I would have witnessed how hard my parents would have worked to be where they are today. I can say today we live a very comfortable life, but before, I remember going to the shop, buying one sausage, buying an ounce of butter, yeah, 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 yeah. and buying two eggs and them kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, I look at how much my parents would have sacrificed so much. And just like you said, looking at your parents, making all these sacrifices, and looking at how they would have gotten you where you are today, like I took those you know, valuable things, make mental notes about it, and today I can definitely say that, you know, uh, our finance, our finances is very comfortable. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my journey, basically. Thank you. Before we before we get deep into the conversation, I just want to ask you, I have a quick question because your father is a very successful businessman. So, what are some things from his life that you can teach us about business for those watching? Um, what what the general over here said resonated with me. Um, I was very fortunate. I was very blessed to have my two parents in my house, and they, my father was just the backbone of the family. My mother was at home taking care of us, and multiple streams of income. My my father is a madman when it comes to business. Um, the things he does, you would not believe, all over the place, and nothing. Not all of them are successful. Some trashy investments, you know, not well trashy, but things that just don't turn out. Mm. But you have to push it. You have to try. Do a lot of things. Not all over the place because, okay, for example, he started in trucking, then he went into lumber because he used to pull um, lumber, then he went into sand, um, now he's going into producing different types of sand, uh, and then concrete now. Um, so he's moving in a, in a trajectory, in a path, he's not all over the place, even though he can be. Um, but yeah, and one thing as well is that he hasn't really taught me anything. He doesn't. Sh tell me word for word, like say, this is how you spend money. I've seen it, I'm looking at him and I feel it from him. And 
that's that's how I feel like I'm the same thing too. Multiple streams of income. I'm hustling. I'm hustling. I'm trying to get money up. You know, even though, right? <laughs> I was trying to get money up. Now, for the for the guys that grew up in in the single parent family, how how deeply do you guys want to shift the narrative for your family now coming? Like, as in. You want to work hard to ensure that they never experience what you would have experienced growing up. How does that influence the decisions you make concerning your finances? Well, although I grew up, <clears throat> although I grew up in a single parent family, my mother ensured that everything I needed, I got. Then I always get what I want, and you never used to understand until you get, or until you reach to a certain age to understand. Well, yo. Their life is not easy. And for me, I don't have any kids as yet, but I have a niece. And she's also single parent because it's my brother's daughter. My brother's, his brother and his child mother are no longer together. But I've seen my brother play the role of a father to a different level. Because the only father figure that I had growing up was my grandfather. My grandfather being the only breadwinner for 12 children. My, my brother works seven days a week, about 20 hours a day, to ensure that my niece gets everything that she wants, she needs, things that she don't even know about, she's get. And for me, that, that has given me the push to do the same. Because I just, I just be, she said she got too far though. Because anything she want, Uncle Travi got it. <laughs> so Uncle Travi got it. I don't have my own kids as yet, but I know from seeing what my brother did and what my mother did, it has given me a broad understanding of how I could make things better. I'm, I'm gonna be 13 another couple of days and everybody's asked me, how come you ain't no children yet? And I just got one answer. I don't want a child mother, I'm looking for one. I don't want my children. <laughs> I don't want my children to grow up in a single parent home or knowing a, a, a father and a mother living in two separate places. My children must have the whole, the wholesome family life that I saw my mother and my, my grandparents produce for my mother and my uncles. I don't want that. What I had, it, was, it, was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't ideal. But it, gave me, it gives me the, the, the knowledge to know that I don't want better for my kids. And as everybody said, multiple streams of income, that's it. That, that is it, because money can't make. Anybody else want to touch this question quick? I grew up in a nuclear. No, but if, if, if I could just add to what Trevor was saying, this is a good thing, you know, the mindset that he has right now about not wanting his children to go through what he went through, you know, because I find when we, ha when we don't think like that, we find it's a, it's a cycle that happens yeah, over and over again. Yeah, generational Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we as men need to learn to break that cycle by making the decision. So, good job, man. I got All right, we want to shift the conversation now from the personal level, and we're going to touch on, on the favorite thing of men, or one of the favorite things of men. <laughs> women, you know? They came out of our room. <laughs> right? All right, so <laughs> over the past decade or so, there's been a shift in the gender equality in a sense, whereby 
women are now earning equal and even more than men. Um, you check most workplaces now, they're female dominated. Um, I could remember in 2015, there was a major rap beef between my favorite artist, Drake, and Mick Mill. And Drake sang a song called Back to Back that obliterated Mick, right? But there were a few lines in the song that really, really touched the nerve, right? He said, is that a world tour or a girl's tour? <laughs> I know that you have to be a thug for her. This is what she meant when she said to open up more. Trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. You get embodied by a singing nigga. I'm not the type of nigga that I'm type of niggas. And shout out to all my boss girls, wife and niggas. Make sure you hit him with the prenup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool, right? But yes. Mick was dating Nikki back then. Nikki was making way more than he was making. He was the opening act for her tour. And Drake basically used that to sort of hit him and emasculate him in a sense. And I want to ask you guys now, how do you feel about your significant other making more money than you? Does it make you feel less of a man? Does it tug on your ego? How do you feel about that situation? Extremely good. <laughs> Extremely good, and that's the truth. It therefore means that I don't have the burden of carrying all the finances in the home. Listen, I have no quorums. I have no quorums at all. If my girlfriend making more money than I am, you understand me? None whatsoever. In fact, I'd be one of the best husbands they ever have in Guyana. You understand me? You understand? Good. So it's not a matter of how much money she's actually making, but I my focus will be different. Instead of looking at how much money she's making, it's like what we can build together with the resources combined, put together. Put simply, you understand me? Don't study about how much you make making, that's good. I feel good for me wife working for more money than me, bro. Yeah. You understand? At the end of the day, we got to go in. But I think, I think it goes deeper than that. Um, I mean, to analyze the statement that he made, boss, girls, wife, and niggas, it goes back to prehistoric times. Generally, the concept is that men are seen as the providers. So the stronger your will to provide as a man, generally speaking, you're more attractive to a female. And when I say stronger your will, the more money you got. Now, that's a very controversial rule. But when you look back from a man's ability to provide prehistorically by hunting, going and catch meat, farming, and then as we progress, and there was a point in time when women couldn't own property. So men, all, men had all of the financial strength. So over time, there's this gender norm that the man is the provider. So what Drake was actually trying to hit me with is, you're not the provider, your woman is. And sometimes that hurts deep. I mean, yeah. I completely agree with what Delan says. Me, for me personally, there's no problem if I have a girl or a wife and she's making more than me. But as a man, I don't want to be there not doing anything with my life and have a woman taking care of me. I mean, realistically looking at it, there are many situations currently where women are in relationships and the, men, the man is financially dominant. And you can see in a situation where one partner is completely financially dominant, you are at the whims of that, of that partner's personality. So for me as a man, I, I wouldn't like to be at the whims of a woman's personality in that regard. I would like to be doing my thing. Even if she's doing more than me, I'm doing something. So when we put 
two and two together, you know. How wash our make can't come clean? Twice I've been in relationships. I'm single at the moment, just to put a plug in. <laughs> but twice before I've been in relationships where my girlfriend earned more than I did. The first time I was unemployed, she was employed. Like every time we would go out, before we go out, she would put the money in my pocket so that I could pay the bill, so that, you know, it don't look bad. Yeah. And I respect though. When I first, when I got my first job back then, I used to work for $20,000 a month. I used to work for the first week of the month, I get paid the last Friday of the month. When I paid her $20,000 on Friday, I carry she out and spend nineteen. dollars The other thousand carry me back to work next week. Yeah. Five yeah. back the twenty, because that was my way of showing her I appreciated the fact that she, what she did for me when I, I didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. Then the next relationship I went in, where she earned more than I do, I was, I went, I was working at GTT at the moment, and I don't know what happened with the drop we pay. I basically used to work for $17,000 a fortnight. And that was way below minimum wage. And the girl that I was with used to earn about 90 something thousand. She didn't even know I know how much she used to get paid. And she made sure that every month I knew that she was making more than I did. And that shit, that hurt me. Then when I became self-employed and I started to make my money, I never once made her made, made get revenge for say, yo, I said, shit, no. But then when she realized that, yo, this man clocking more, far more money than I do, she started to feel some type of way. Like, I didn't say anything about it. But it, as, as you were saying, I have no problem with my woman making more money than I do. Than I do. But it all depends on the type of woman. Yeah. Yeah. And the quality, the, her mentality. Because a lot of women going to let you know you ain't worth shit. Eyes the boss. Don't, don't get tired, you know, because a woman could make it more than you, but it don't necessarily mean you're getting any of the money. All right. All right. <laughs> but I, if I can touch it too, the same question too is, I don't mind as well, my girl making more money than me. I think it all comes back to the, the quality of woman, but... It all comes back to her respecting me as the man yeah. and biblically being the head of the home, exactly. no understanding yeah. that, right? So the minute you disrespect me Zero because points. of you making high more money than me, you have a problem. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't mind it either. Like, like Trevor would have said, I, and, and there's something in, happening right now in society. A lot of young ladies are not exposed to the, like, you know, our parents have been exposed, like, you know, you gotta walk and go with your man and deal with him properly until he blossoms and become this big business person or whatever. Lashing part in Guyanese terms, right? Yeah. But when a woman, Guyanese women, but eh, some of them, I want to say ah because I know the comments are gonna allow it. Guyanese women, there's yeah. the thing now. No girl and dates, no broke man, brother. Yeah. No girl and dates. Broke man, not stay Yeah. <laughs> Broke men don't deserve no. Yeah. Only right. <laughs> <laughs> body connection. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like it, it's it's a it's a very touchy tongue. And mm. I, I think if it's a girlfriend scenario, it's different from it's a wife scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because if, if my wife, generally plug it in like with Trevor said, I'm single. Yeah, right. That's what you plug it in. Right. And if if my wife earns more than me, I think she at that point at that stage. She should be able to understand, you know, my my scenario or my situation, but that doesn't mean as a man I be lazy. I always try to improvise and, and lead from the front. 
And I believe, I, I, I know an individual, I work with a, a guy, um, I don't want to call it placing because you don't know, yeah. might, we might feel a bit, but they didn't think of this. But I had a superior that his wife used to work more than him. And let me tell you, I never, this, like I never had, we, we were so good that he never explained that he had this problem. Like, you know, because his wife respected him. All he needed to do is just be a man, step up. You know, give the, her the, the little, you know, the assurance, the strength. You know, be her guard. You know what I mean? So, it all depends. But relationships from a girl, wife, girlfriend, yeah. boyfriend, it kind of, it's, it's kind of touchy. It's kind of touchy. Have any of you guys ever put yourself in debt to impress a woman? Stick a pin, right? You gotta elaborate on what you mean is death. You mean overspend for impress a girl? There's one aspect, but also going broke. Going broke, basically. Borrowing money from somebody. Never reached that level. Never reached that level. You just splurge and make she feel like, you know, use the best thing ever, like you walk in the mob, it's wild. And you just be like, yeah, yeah, go baby, go baby. She know her now, but she broke like dog the next day. When I used to go to school, if anybody know me from school, Travi was a hustler. Yeah. Back in school, he used to call me cheap juice. I used to sell juice. And I was the man who was the school, I give him 100. Give me 200, give me 500. Yeah, I gotta shoot somebody, I shoot you before you shoot me. And I remember the day before school party, yeah. I had a girlfriend, like down here, girl buying gift for me. I was like, shit, me got no money for buy gift. I walk around the school and I raise $8,000. I go, I raise $8,000, I go and I, go and I buy, I go and I buy a gift for she. She didn't even give me no gift, cause was a, I hear to the grapevine, she buying a gift for me, it wasn't true. But from the 8,000 I raised, I go and I buy a, a necklace and earring set nice. for 6,000 from Steve's. I'm a 2,000, buy my, grab my whole outfit for go school party next day. When I gotta get it, I gotta get it. Yeah, you all know, you learn. <laughs> you learn. So, I'm really enjoying the conversation tonight. Just in case you're now tuning in, this is common sense. And with me tonight, you have a, a very dynamic panel of young men. And we're basically just gaffing about finances and, and money as it relates to men. Kesha, you grew up in a comfortable situation. Um, they may have never, <laughs> you would have never had to impress them. They would have probably been trying to impress you. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your about your situation. Yeah, yeah. When when um, I was thinking in my head, I don't I don't really splurge on women. I you see the type of women. Not to say that all women are like this, but there's a particular type of woman that's out there, only looking for money, man. Right? And and I don't want to be attracted in that type of woman. Right? I want a woman who's simple, who loves me for me, who wants me for me. Not for what I can give her, because I can give her and I will give her mm -hmm. once she's that woman. And yeah, I just need to be careful. I don't, I don't, I don't want to attract, attract those type of girls right. in my life. Yeah, in this world, coming from somebody who's comfortable. <laughs> yeah, they're probably gonna be all you gonna know. So, to be honest, one of the reasons why I'm single is because women only coming for our, most women. Let me say that most women 
only coming for after they could get. Yeah. And by I be in the limelight a lot because of my job. I have to always be out there in the party, socializing, networking. And when I out, I can always be drinking. I always got a drink in my hand. If somebody wants something for drink, you can't tell me you go out with me, you don't get something for drink. And people just believe that I just make money. I just make money because I just work very hard. But I just work too hard for spending money on people. If you come away and help me make more money, you can get me money, there's no problem. But you can't just come in and look for sit down and take what I got for No, they can't work so. And I've run into women on countless occasions that just come in for see what they could gain. Yeah. They, they, they're not coming and help you build, they're not coming and help you achieve more. They're just coming, oh, give me this, give me that, give me that. And women, some women got this idea that if you got a man, they got to do your hair, they got to do your nails. Every time the makeup got, no. I don't, it's not a siren. I don't know any siren Aww. thing. They're too baggy, baggy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, generally, right, in relationships, um, I remember this artist, beautiful, really profound artist, lyrics are on point. He had a song, he, got, he has a song, um, Unstable. And what he was saying in the song, what is his um was like, um, what? Men are able, if you can't add nothing to the table. And this is something we as men gotta value. And I think we as men don't really focus on that. Yes, we got stuff, hard working, this guy lashing pot, and all of us trying to lash pot at the same time. But we gotta understand when we date a woman, she must bring something to the table. She mustn't keep just drawing. And there's something my father's always instilled me. Any woman I date, you don't say you could date any woman you want, but make sure she adds value, she adds something to the table. Because like what people say, one man dot is built down, going back to the same point. And you know, you know, you want to build a life and like, like my, my friend over here, right? He's in a comfortable position. He don't want to go back broke. We in the end though. So in order to maintain though, if you're going to have a relationship with somebody, at least it'll bring something to the table so you could build from that and keep going. Yeah, but I think as a man, we also need to recognize what is value, what there are different forms of value that a woman can bring to the table because, I mean, there's still women in, in 2022 that value the role of a caregiver. There are simply women that just want a man to financially provide for them and then they will stay at home and be the caregiver of the family. They will do the child rearing. They will manage the household. And, and that is adding to the table. That is definitely adding to the table. That has a lot of value. While you're out working, you're coming home to a clean home. Women and finances, you can't be the most women and finances. And this is how you separate the shit from the That's how you separate the shit from the You want your money done? Give your wife and tell she's your own. You want your money saved? Give your money tell she's your own. I have been told never date an accountant. Yeah. And an auditor. Never. Beca I mean, what is a good thing? Because the conversation was going all over. But the thing is, with when you have a significant other that is an accountant, she makes sure that the money is spent where it ought to go. And the first place you realize, especially if you got kids or you're living home together, it goes to the home. Any other external spending, you can now see how you could save from that same spending money. So those accountants out there are serious clients when they come with a calculator and the pen. And trust me, they audit you really good. Isn't that a good thing? But as I'm saying, it, it is a good thing. Because somewhat I have been able to manage some of my finances because I learned it away from one of my girlfriends. 
So one one of my girlfriends, right? That listen, you spend money, you spend money, you spend money. Hey, I got a lot of love. You understand me? So I have learned how to position myself and spend money wisely. Like I tell you, I tell people every single time people meet me, they ask me all sorts of strange questions. I say, listen, three things I spend money on: traveling, school, and myself. I put it out there. So you know you ain't gonna come with your big salary for telling me, yo, you know, you gotta do what I tell you, you gotta do because I work for money. No, 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 no. I tell myself I must be able to be in a position that wherever anyone will come in my life could give me, I must be able to give myself. So it is not at that, that level of dependency because we've heard the conversations going around. Most women getting high profile jobs, they're in a position where they're making more money than you and you don't want to, to have that syndrome in the home where you happen to depend. So you grow that, that relationship with them. You learn how to spend here, spend there. Look, I don't have any kids, but I learn now how to manage my finances when it comes to my nieces and my cousins. So now you know every Christmas, you, nobody got to tell you that, yeah, you got to, as a matter of fact, I got I see, probably about six goddaughters. You understand me? So now you got to know finance yourself. You say, okay, good. So you now got a budget now. When is day birthday? And even when it's Christmas, you got to give. So all of that is learning in and of itself. So it's just a matter of us adapting to learning exactly what values is necessary in respect to the relationship, but not to the extent where you lose yourself. And Matthew, I think um, we as men, there needs to be a congruence between the notion that women want a money man and what women bring to the table. Because I can tell you, for me particularly, I don't see anything inherently wrong with a woman wanting a money man. Sometimes we as men, we look at what women are coming to take from us, but not what they're coming to bring. True. I, for myself, I've been blessed with Women that have added to my life tremendously, whether it's girlfriends, whether it's family, friends, whoever, I've been blessed with women who've added to my life tremendously. And I see it like this. Even music perpetuates it. Some women just want a man to provide for them. So if you want a woman that you want to provide for and you want to be that head of a family and be the financial provider, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You want a woman who is submissive. You want a woman who is a caregiver. You want a woman to manage your household. You want those things from a woman. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there are women out there who want that. And there are women who want to be independent financially. And they want to be go-getters. And they want to make their names in the career, in business, in whatever they want to do. And we need to recognize that there needs to be a balance between these type of these type of women. We can't just, you know, chide the woman that wants the money man. If you want to be the money man for her. Yeah. Yeah. Because you as men, we know how we think. When there's an elevation in our income, we start to look for an elevation in certain physical qualities of the woman <laughs> we're looking for. So you can't it's, and, and, no, we need, we need to be realistic. If this is a boy, stop. We need to be realistic with ourselves. That's what I was coming to next because as we advance in our financial situation, particularly if you didn't have it when you were young, the type of woman that you want ship, as in you would have dated X when you used to work for this amount. Now you're making 500,600 a month. You don't want to deal with X type of girls anymore. You want to deal with 
Z and Y. Like, so, like you are a shop indeed. So I could understand, in a sense, um, I don't think anything is inherently wrong with a woman wanting a money man or a rich man. Um, sometimes I, I try to put myself in the position of a woman. What would I want from a man if I were a woman? Exactly. I would want a rich man. That's not what to say, though. And even when I get daughters, when you get daughters now, what type of man would you want them to date? Yes. You don't want them dating any guy that struggling, quote-unquote, right? Um, so I think it's a nuanced discussion that we we have to give and take yeah. and understand the, the perspectives of women. Yeah. Um, so in the case, what are, what are we as men bringing to the table besides finance too? Because the same values that like you're talking about, you know, giving. Care, you're good. Mm. Some women want just love. Security. Security. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe that women want money. I don't care what the body says. I mean, I mean, I mean, my mother likes money. <laughs> and I see my father just saying, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that's another thing that I personally recognize as men. Sometimes men use their finances to lure women. Uh, so if you put if you put your money out as bait to get girls, right? Would you expect? Of course, of course. But my 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 problem my 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 thing is this, Matthew. The after effect of of what Rihanna said. Now that you throw your money out there as a bait. You get the woman now. You expect her thinking and so forth is going to be different other than coming after which she can actually get from the resources, the finances? I don't think so. I do not think so. Probably one of our responsibility, if, if we are money men and that's what we do, I think one of our responsibility now is to change the narrative a bit. See how best now she can add to making more money. So when she starts making her money now, it's less coming out from your pocket in a sense so it's an exchange so i throw it out there but listen we got to come to, to, to a position here where we all know that yo i got the money here but let's see how you can make some money too Let, let's just add to this basket you understand me let's see how we can multiply this and just teach her it, it, it's basically teaching her but I would like to, I know some men might say, mm -mm, but that might be a caution, it might be a cautionary thing there. Because take away you teach her now, she can now use her money now to throw it and bait in a <laughs> another man in the relationship. But it's a risk. But to me, I think it's better if you, you teach her how to make the money after you already gotten her, now she already know about spending certain things. And then so, I think it's a, it's a, it's a continuum sort of or on, a, on a line. Because... How much can a woman actually spend on things? Oh, wait, 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 wait for it, wait for it. How much can a woman actually spend having achieved or attained everything? What was everything? A house, a car, flashy stuff coming out, everything she wants, like you said, Rima. Everything she sees, she, she, she's getting. Like, how much? How much do you know? You ever hear a woman say, I got enough clothes? Or I got enough shoes? Oh my God. Bro, I tell you. Let, let, 
I'm going back to my body scenario, right? Yeah. Here's my forest, lady. My mother did everything. My father works so hard that he, he's, he's balling in my right? So he's just nice shop. My mother has everything. I know when she body comes wrong, she comes to me, I should sound like, who are you buying for me? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's like, nothing that I can give you. I don't want to spend the way buying. What is there's nothing what is more it? that I could give you? I can't think what else this lady want. But this, I think it's just with women. Okay. There's never enough. And it's, I, think, I think something that God blessed them with. And we just got accepted. I never he, once in my life hear a woman say, I got enough clothes, I got enough shoes. Most, and as of recent, I got enough makeup. So, so, okay. so okay, it's taboo. I'm okay, it's taboo. No. Enough. Plus, most women now eating. Women in shame. Women eating. Well, it now forced you to become a chef. <laughs> Alright, so plug, I could cook, but women eating. Continuing our conversation, I want to quickly touch on, uh, we had our conversation on women, I want to touch on business and, and family now. Um, we have two examples of, of males playing integral roles in, in the family and maintaining the family. Uh, what I see nowadays a lot though is that a lot of young men particularly who become fathers, everybody else is set and their children are neglected in terms of providing for their children. Um, generational wealth is a term that is very common nowadays, particularly uh, from, from rap music, Jay-Z and Rick Ross and those guys. Um, how important is attaining generational wealth to, ensuring, to ensure that your future family lives a comfortable life and that you're not balling? I'm not saying anything is wrong with that, but you can't be buying $100,000 in shots at outside and your child don't have books or a laptop to go to school. Something is inherently wrong with that. How do we manage and set our priorities to ensure that you know our family is well taken care of before anything else? Our, our thinking has to change. Our focus, our entire focus has to change. And I believe it starts with understanding the greater responsibility because I've heard my father, like I, I mean I didn't mention it earlier, but my father raised us on just $3,000, $3,000. My brother, me, and my sister sent us all to secondary school and everything on $3,000. But now it's up a bit, but still under. And you understand why he was doing these things. You see, now men are thinking, well, I didn't have a good life. Or my life wasn't where I actually wanted it to be seeing persons in, in, a, in your senior school rocking all the latest and all of these things. And so for you now, your focus changes to, okay, so I need to do better for my family. I need to do better now because here, I got kids. So it's not about you anymore. And a lot of time I hear a lot of guys who got kids saying it, I, I can't live for myself no more. It's all about providing for my kids. So the narrative, your thinking, and everything changes from the minute you decide to settle down and start family planning. And one of the good, one of the best examples again is one of those those very accounts that we were talking about earlier. So if you know you're going to start, you know it's it's inevitable, unless 
you pack him with seeds or something. You know it's inevitable, you gotta get kids, right? So one of the things that you should do, and one of the things you ought to do, is provide for the future. So make sure at least, even if you ain't get any kids, an account is there set aside for that, that particular reason. So when you build that wealth, it means that, hey, when I get my child, they must, you know, the, the child born with a gold spoon, so to speak. So everything is there, so they ain't gotta worry even when you go on to the great beyond. He or she is taken care of. But you also need to be around to ensure that they understand the principles of gaining this wealth. I think I saw a quote from, I think it was from Jackie Chan when he said, he's not going to allow his son to inherit all of his wealth. Why? Because he worked for it. And what do you think he's going to do? He's going to squander it. You understand me? So a lifetime of wealth that you took your time to build. Your kid who's coming or your children who's coming who haven't understood the struggles and, and understand how to manage your, the, the, the finances is going to come and they are going to squander it. So it's your responsibility to not only save it for them, but also teach them how to manage it and understand those principles, even at an early age, as far as I'm concerned. Because to me, when you're younger, children tend to take in things much faster. And with those brainiacs we got running around now, you wonder where to get this smart, where to get the smartness from. So it's good now that you you could you could open the wealth, the fund, build it to an extent where you know that they live a comfortable life, one better than the one that you had, as well as teaching them the principles of how to manage it. But Matthew, like when I think generational wealth, I agree with what Delan said, but that goes in the aspect of providing. When I think generational wealth, I'm taking money that reaches my third generation. And I personally do not feel, and this is a notion most people subscribe to, you cannot create generational wealth by being an employee. There needs to be a continuum by which this money is being generated that lasts over an extended period of, of time. And you cannot do that by being an employee. I, I saw a quote the other day, someone was saying you need to make money while you're sleeping. The continuum that is needed to create that generational wealth is enterprise, it's business. And I, I think that's what most people, especially, I, I, I particularly need to focus on is business. Coming from a poor background, I've recognized that the way and they always tell you education is the key to success. No, that is a lie. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is a big lie. It is not just education. It is innovation and application. Because you need to take what you learn and you need to transform it into something completely tangible and something that makes money for you that you can compile and you can keep for your family that keeps adding and keeps adding. And that family will get, and the next family will get, and the next family will get. And I think the problem with it is that a lot of persons, we get comfortable with our lifestyle. All right, you make a 500,000, you're good, you're rich, you live in large, you get a nice car, you get a nice house. But, but then if you're thinking generational, you need to go further than that. Because that car is going to depreciate, the house is going to get old. What's going to happen next? Yeah, I... Listen. Go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree with Ryan. Um, I see generational wealth as, as leaving a legacy behind for your third generation, other generation to come and so. And sometimes uh, preparing or setting the grounds for generational wealth to come it doesn't usually happen in a year time or in the next generation. Sometimes it happens, it takes a very long time. Exactly. So the decisions you make, your priorities now, and everything will play a key role in making generational wealth happen 
for years and years and years. And I mean, Keisha can speak from a position of affluence. He was speaking about how his father's taking on multiple entrepreneurial activities and how his, was it your grandfather that built? Start from start from your father built. It's trying to build generational wealth, and you can't. That's one of his main. He's always saying that. He's always mm-hmm. referencing the big names, the big names in Guyana. They didn't come yesterday. They were here long. Yeah. They were here for a long time, and they had that orientation. I'm giving something for my grandchildren, not my children. Like you said, yeah. third generation, fourth, beyond that. And it, it needs to be like a family principle because one man can't build generational of wealth, not. you know. Nope. Like you, and when you start, that is, that somebody got pick up and continue, and then somebody else got pick up and continue, and that money will keep growing. A and friend, a friend of mine made a, a post on Facebook a while back. He's like, being the first person to start generation wealth, generational wealth is difficult, and that's that sit with me because my vision could be obscured. I believe, like everybody in this panel most of the persons, about 90% of the persons that I spend that are around me have the vision and the motivation to build not only for today but for years to come and I appreciate I appreciate that young people persons you know, who haven't even reached to the 20s yet don't see the vision and it's not only coming it's not most of them they don't even incur in inherited from the parents they just seeing a wider they're just getting a wider vision of life and understand life on a different level and we're working towards it and as you were saying principles in general because we could work we could do all the work we could build the form we could build the empire and just take one person that could tear down the empire you just take one generation that could tear down the empire teaching principles and the, the, the importance of money is something that we also need to always keep at the back of your mind. There's, there's this man that I know, he's a very wealthy big man. He has seven kids. He was wealthy before he even got his first child. And he used to give them five, give them each $500 a day. That is for passage, for lunch, for snack, everything. And I sit down, when I was there, you sit down like, yo, this mean jump. Because you got millions, you got, and then I realized, it was teaching his children the principles of money. I got money, but it's me money. You are money. Show me that you got the ability and for, he would give his kids money. But for them to get the money, they got to come with a business plan. The business plan got to be solid, got to make sense. And he yeah. give them a loan. He can loan them money to start the business. If the business succeed, keep the money. If your business fail, pay me back my money. And I used to think like, yo, that's mean. But then as I get older, I understood that was teaching them principles. Now, out of seven children, three of them as doctors, three lawyers, and the third one currently on a scholarship. She, currently on seven in scholarship to gain your masters. And everybody is gonna, everybody has their own principles. One of his daughters is a doctor in the US. She has a 10 bedroom house. She, her husband, she got, she got triplets that share a room. She has triplets that share a room. So there's a 10 bedroom house. Her triplets share one room. She and her husband in one room. And eight free rooms in the house. And it's like, she, and from, she, she learned it from her father because her father teaches you the principle of money. So now she's teaching it to her children. That even though you're in this big, big house, 
you still gotta be you still gotta be humble learn how to appreciate the smaller things in life and that is something that we because we, we ball we want ball we want money we want to live with life but in also living with life and putting aside the bread for the children we gotta be able to put aside the time and the ability to put instill principle in them because money is as easy as money is to earn it's easier to go it's far easier to go i would want to i would want to add another one to that too discipline right discipline is one thing and because something we always follow yeah discipline and sticking to it is something that we need to learn if we are to create generational wealth that's something that we gotta learn so you gotta understand that yes i will i will have to put aside and make a lot of sacrifices you understand me and see others enjoying it but you just gotta be humble wherever you gotta do and stay to that plan be disciplined about it and stick to it the the other night i was at outside i was outside but and i realized like the eldest person there was about 35 and I realized that Ghana is at a stage that we probably haven't seen in a very long time. Young people with money. The young people now, the 18, 18, 19, 20, 20 25, don't got millionaires. We got millionaires that is even seen, even halfway in the 20s as yet. And that's something that Ghana has not seen as because young people now are opening their eyes because we're in the information age. We could see what's going on in the rest of the world. We realize, yo, me want to be like me father. I want things and we're working and as I said before, my vision could be my vision could be obscured because of the people that I be around. And I would always say about 90% of the people around me, the focused and the working. And I appreciate it. I just tell all my friends when they're doing good, I can message, I can call it's like yo, big up yourself. This is good strength. Do your thing, make your money, do your thing. Cause well, ah, we wanna live happy. And one of my goals is that. I want to retire at 35. After age 35, I don't want to have to wake up every morning and go to work. I must go to work when I want to work. My money must be able to, that doesn't mean it, me doing nothing. Because I love photography. I love what I do. But I don't want to be at it every day, whole day. Sometimes I wake, I start working at 5 in the morning. I don't work done, don't till 4 next morning. And I got to start back the next day. You don't want to do that when I start at 5. When I start at 5, I must be able to say, yo, Get it done. Get it done. And I must be I must be at a stage where my business functions, the money that my business makes must making more money. Passive income. Passive income. That is the goal. As this question is directed to, to Rihanna and Trevon. Um, I don't know if you have any other businessmen on the panel. But as two I would say successful businessman. Um, I think Panjaz is, is the biggest, the biggest um, anything steel pan that we have in Guyana. And eventually it's going to be the biggest in the Caribbean. Um, Trevon is arguably Guyana's premier photographer. Right? And give me strengths. Coming from, from the backgrounds that you guys have articulated, also being young black men, right? Because there's another aspect of this conversation. Because we were talking about generational wealth. And whether you want to admit it or not, that is more prevalent in the Indian community than in the black community in Guyana. For varying reasons that I don't really want to get into right now. But 
how important is it is to you and he would have touched it earlier your business being able to pass it on to your son uh, your daughter whenever you get them because in Yenang, in Yenang community if you go down Regent Street you can see Pagu and Sons this and Sons and then I'm not knocking um, I'm not knocking Nigerians or anything but you don't see Nigerians to a market there's no Ansons <laughs> I don't know of any black business that has Ansons. I could be wrong, right? But how do we um, develop that mentality in our community um, to not only think of our business for us, but you know, for a future. And also, he mentioned it, we're very comfortable with earning 500,000, 600,000. I see a lot of persons, particularly in the public sector, they're in one position for 20, 30 years. And I, I, I try to understand how is it that you can be comfortable, right? How do we ensure that we don't remain comfortable and keep pushing for even more, trying to break barriers and, you know, expand our horizon? So there's, there's a phrase that is used. I am contented, but not satisfied. Contentment means if I make 10,000 today, it's okay. But I don't mean tomorrow I want to make 10,000. Tomorrow I got triple. It forces me to push, push myself to always do more. Because I've recently rebranded from keynote photography to keynote production. Because as the name keynote photography, persons would reach out to me, you do video, you do graphics, I do video, I do videography, photography, graphics, live streaming. I do anything that come, anything you come to me, I could, I, I would be able to do it. I would be able to find somebody to do it. And it, it has forced me to do more. And in doing so, I believe that any child of mine seeing what I do, it would be very difficult for them for it not to resonate with them and not to do the same. Because they'll be like sick in the brain. Not for see in the information age that we live, this advanced age that we're living in, it's very hard to see your parents doing this and you not want to do more. Because as we've said before, he see father do the most and he's willing to do more. And he doesn't have to. He is there. But he already got the mindset that yo, if me father buy four lucas eight, I must be able to buy eight. And that is not because he can't afford it or your father can't afford it, but it's because he knows that this is what I need to do because I want to make my father proud. And though, as he also said, your father never straight out tell you, this is, these, are the, these are the aspects you got to do to be successful. But he sat back and he watched. And I think as the generations go forward, go forward and the, the kids are more enlightened and more knowledgeable of what going I think that that is something that is going to go and as I'm, I'm going to say again my vision may be obscured but generation wealth among black people is becoming a thing I've I'm I overhearing black like young black men talking about creating the will but they got nothing to put in the will as yet but what are putting in the will are sneakers like as simple as though, because 
this, this to them, that's what they own. They, they work for it and they buy it, that's what they own, and that's the asset. And they can put that in the will, because when they get a child, the child gotta get something. Because in, I'm not sure how much people, how people know, but in Guyana, if you don't have a will, all your assets just go all over the place. Anybody can come and say they want this and it's no. Not necessarily. Right, you know different. I mean, because a, a lot of persons are not knowledgeable about the laws of what go on. So yeah. no persons are now trying to create a will and say, oh, I can left this for nobody. Not as what you just described. But we don't know. But to touch on the question you asked, Matthew, I, I personally feel that any businessman who recognizes that the main, what would you call it, the Achilles heel of sole proprietorship is continuity. So you need to pass it on to somebody. Whether you're Indian or black, you need to pass on this thing to somebody or else it's going to die with you. But on, on the topic of, of passing on your business, I think a problem with poverty is that poverty isn't just an absence of a large quantity of money and assets. Sometimes it's also manifesting a mindset. So when you're trying to build a foundation of generational wealth, you will find that you will be obscured by immediate needs. Food, clothing, transportation. These needs all outweigh a future goal of creating generational wealth for your generations to come. And you need to overcome that barrier and sometimes the only thing you have to overcome that barrier is ambition. Your ambition must be greater than your position. It must be greater than your circumstance. And that was one of the things I had to grapple with. Because sometimes when you're doing things, when you're making investments, it's difficult. But it's not only for now, it's for a future. Sometimes you might have to forego some of those immediate needs. Sometimes you might have to forego, it might not be as drastic as clothing or food, but simple, other simple things that you might enjoy on a regular, other things that you might see your friends enjoying, your colleagues enjoying, your classmates enjoying. You might have to forego some of them in, in the efforts to create something that will last you and extend from your position to your next family's position to your next family's position. And that's what some of the great businessmen in this country have done. The initial businessman that started the generational wealth had to put in great sacrifices in order for somebody to fly a helicopter and land it in the, in the yard. Yep, yep, yep. That level of discipline is what we were talking about earlier. And in terms of making those sacrifices as well, as we begin to, to wrap up the conversation, it's not easy, right? Um, especially as young men. And I'm, I'm shifting the conversation, not necessarily from high school, but as young adults. How do you resist that temptation to uh, be a baller and, and make those necessary sacrifices so that your future life is a comfortable one and you don't uh, you don't put yourself in 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 a hard wall season now trying to portray this image and you know you make your future life uncomfortable because of poor decisions you made. Now, how do you resist that as a man? It, it all comes back to discipline. You gotta be able to be have, because we always fall off the wagon. For me, I could admit I just fall off the wagon steady. I can go out and say, yo, I, I going out, I going home at nine o'clock, I go in and drink three Guinness. Three Guinness is gonna turn into a bottle of 12 year old. 
<laughs> but I know tomorrow morning when I wake up, the 12 year old money got neck back. Because I know I made a mistake. And the only person that should suffer from that mistake is me. Which means now I gotta do everything that I had planned to do today, added to what I, the mistakes that I made from last night. And not only discipline, but trust in the process. Trust the process that the sacrifices I make today can be beneficial for me tomorrow. I always remember though. And the sacrifice doesn't have to be something tangible. It could be a time, it could be focusing on your studies, it could be developing a, a very good business plan and dedicating your time and your efforts to that model. It doesn't necessarily have to be foregoing a 12-year-old bottle today. I mean, realistically, if you go out and you know you use a 5-year-old man, you now go for the 12-year-old bottle. Not saying that there's any deg <laughs> degrading of the quality, but it doesn't have to be tangible and it's incremental the sacrifices that you have to make you don't just make one big sacrifice today and then there's it generational well done you gotta make it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and you gonna fall off one or two times i think well, generally i think there needs to be like we all said balance and discipline i i work hard and sometimes you wanna like you wanna spare you wanna you wanna feel good because I was watching I was watching on I don't know it was an ad and it was it was showing a young you're just running for money, running for money, running for money, running for money. When you're getting money, you're old and there's nothing to enjoy. So having a balance is very important for me. I like nice things. I will go out and buy something, but I mean I can do it every day. I won't just throw on three, four jars, Gucci, you know what I mean, mm. chain down, everything. But you want nice things, yeah. you want to feel comfortable. So yeah, you have to have a balance and discipline like, like Trevon, and I think everybody would have known to this. Discipline is a big one. And not just balance and discipline, I think also setting personal life boundaries, yeah. financial boundaries as well, uh, would play a, a, an important role too. Not everything got knocky face got show know what to say no know what to say yes, yes so yeah. and also um investment is a big thing too that can also help as well know what to invest in and what not to invest in as well as we wrap up this conversation another important aspect of being a man is our friends our homies our circle, circle. <laughs> as a man you're always rolling with your team as you would say right and one thing that i've watched the celebrities do, guys like Jay-Z, Kanye West. Jay-Z said in, in a song, he made a lot of other persons millionaires. Ye made millions, this one made millions, he made millions. Diddy brought along his crew. Drake, everybody in OVO camp got a different business, all because of Drake. As a man, how important it is for, for you alone not to be successful financially, but to ensure that you motivate and inspire your circle and your crew and your friends to come along on this journey with you so that all of you can be successful. And, and even another Jay-Z line that I really, really like is in one of his songs, he was saying that Diddy has to rock. He's going to be upset with himself if he buys another brand mm -hmm. and he partner on Syrup, supporting each other's businesses and not um, trying to show 
each other under the bus and, and cripple each other's business. There's another important aspect of um of our finances. How do we how do we bring along our team and how do we not be envious and jealous? Because there's a big thing among friends. Um, you see somebody might be body body with you, but they're trying to cripple your business or the they're putting your name in certain conversations so you get job opportunity yeah. and everything. How do you tackle things? I think I'm, I'm touching it. Um, I got a lot of people might know us and so forth, but I got a few select, selected few people that I hold close to my heart, and I try to encourage them. For instance, for instance, just like you said, who was Sirak? Somebody has Sirak. They won't go and buy another competitor. Similarly with our friends, everybody in my group. I try to let them know that they are purpose, push them to the limits that they're not even seeing. You understand? And when they understand that, because you don't want to be oh, because I have a I have a business, Kilo City, the world knows it, right? Whatever, right? <laughs> and, and I I I make sure my friends, like my friends come to me one day like yo, it's like I want to this food business. I said, what? No, no way, what are you doing for? Lash pot right away. And these are things that we gotta do in this circus because if, if everybody's doing well here and one person feels the squeeze and we don't bring that person up, that's where envy, jealousy, bad mind is stepping. Yeah. So you gotta make sure when you're moving, sure. you may move faster than some, sure. but make sure that your friends have. I got friends like he in her food business, I got friends that are DJs. You can't call my phone. And say, you're looking for somebody for playing Lash of Property. You don't know who you're calling. Yeah. I don't give you that number. Keep it in. I think, I think, I think, though, I think though it's, it's important, though, especially in the black community, to um, have your circle and everybody winning. Yeah. Because what happens to when you see a bunch of black men winning or black women just winning, it inspires the rest of people awesome. coming up yeah. and other people around you to also do well. So that's a very important thing too. I think generally, generally, yeah. Humans, yeah. We, there's something we got to look for. Also, with that, with all that said, there's a big lesson that I learned, and a guy Rowan Willibus taught me. We could do so much, but you never see Usain Bolt when he winning a hundred meters slow down for Safa Powell. And Safa Powell got pulled your own strength. And if I run in and I pull him in strength and I tell you every day, oh, you could do this, you could do this, you could do that. At some point, you got to see it. If you're not seeing it for yourself, that's it. And what I do, I, comp- I compartmentalize my friends. So I got friends and I dip on nonsense. When it's Friday night, I go outside and I can drink up and get dunce. I know who I call in. When I go into a, when I go in to Marriott for a business meeting, I want a man come around me, I know who I call in. When I got business ideas, I want bounce ideas off of who I, I know who I call in. So as much as I got small circles, within me small circles, there are smaller circles. And you need to understand when if somebody can't, you can carry the highest to the point, but you can't make it drink. And not forcing people to do more bite off more than chew has helped me mentally. Because your energy, the energy people bring to you, it could tear down your own energy. So it's got, as much as you want to see how your friends winning and you want to motivate want them, them. And if they can't see it, I can't force them to see it. Because I got friends who got potential. I got a particular friend could be the greatest videographer this country ever see. 
but he ain't seen it yet. He know himself. He know himself. He know himself. I want your reaction as knowing that he's in the realm whereby I don't know his circle, but you want to tackle that question? Yeah. Um, basically, I think it's important that you choose the right people to be around. Mm -hmm. It's not only supporting people, but having people support you, mm -hmm. having people want the best for you and push you for that. Over time, I mean, I just came out of university, so I'm still fresh, but over time, my friend group has gotten so smart. smart. Yeah. So smart. I, yeah, I realized that, I, 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 I don't know who said it, but as you go to different levels of success, your friend list and your circle becomes very smart. I don't know who said it, but it's, it's, it's really, really, really true. And there are some friends who bring you down to a certain extent, and I have one friend, I mean, I tried to bring him up and, and it just it just not working to the point that I started enabling bad activities. He was living mm -hmm. outside of his means mm -hmm. and calling me saying, I need this, I need this. Yeah. And I for his for his sake I, I had to I had to stop it. Um, so yeah, it's choosing the right people to be around. You're you only you're the average of the people, the five people around you. Something like that, right? Mm -hmm. You are the average of the five closest Perfect. friends you have. Yeah. And that's, that's something I live by. I only stay around people who can build me up and I build them up too. I want to see them grow, they want to see me grow. And, and the thing is, if, uh, for instance, you stop enabling his bad activities, you I've got to get 10,000, you stop giving him money. He can feel like, oh, this man is not my friend no more. I know, that he, I already switch up on me, but no, you got to understand, sit on your own private more like, yo, why this man? And a lot of people don't have the ability. And for me, I just try, even if I kind of got people that used to be around me that I see potential in, they ain't seen it, and I just cut them off. And then every once in a while, I can say, yo, let me go and take a drink. We sit down, we have a, and I can tell you straight up, why is it I don't enable you no more? At this point, you gotta make a decision for yourself. If you think what I do is wrong, then by all means, go away with your bad energy. But if you could sit down in your own private moment and listen, it's like, Yo, this man make it. And that's what people did for me. Because I didn't find focus till I was about 25. And it took me a lot. And as I mentioned before, Rowan Willibus did a lot for me. I met him through a mutual friend. And there's a man I could sit down and talk about anything. And he always there to give me advice. And as I learn and as I grow, I do it for the people under me. So now like I see a, I got like a nine, I got a, a 20 year old that is work with me every time. I mean I got my own way of motivating. It's come with a lot of expletives. <laughs> but the bottom line is, yeah. listen to what I'm saying. What I'm saying yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And if you could find you focus at 20, as opposed to me we find at 25, you got five years ahead of me. You yeah. could do so much more. Yeah. 20 seconds, each one of you. Final words, and I want these words to be to the ghetto youths, to the dance dogs. 20 seconds of advice. Multiple streams. That's, that's my advice, multiple streams. Can't go wrong right there. Yeah, multiple streams, um, discipline, and final balance. Be responsible, hold a focus, know you're there for the payment. Go there for monkey yeah, and, and like the other fellow said, surround yourself with people who are going to build you up and you must know to yourself that you need to change your mindset, change your focus if you're going after a particular goal. 
let me change that if you're going after a a good goal <laughs> a good goal ensure that your focus shit because i mean they got some real dumb stuff so they you know so i'm just encouraging you to be the best you change your mindset refocus and go after it invest in yourself that's, yeah. that's all i gotta say invest in yourself completely determined stay at it mm. i don't think you can name anybody who's famous now who's worthy of emulation that you knew when they were 20 right which means they had their head down that's what you have to do you have, yeah. to have your head down invest in yourself work on your network build your education and and things will come yeah believe in it added to what everybody see there's not much more i could see um but what i would say is focus on yourself do what you gotta do for you at the end of the day look out for number one and number one is yourself always ensure that you firm guide your energy focus on yourself and do your thing the only person holding you back is you Thank you very much everyone for tuning in to Common Sense tonight. Uh, look forward for episode 4 we're going to be featuring women. Uh, they're going to respond to some of the comments made tonight. <laughs> and then hopefully we're going to have a panel with both sides to write in. And you know, we just want to forge these conversations here. So, I want to thank the panel for being here tonight. I think a lot of wisdom and gems have been shared. And I hope you guys enjoy. Boom out. Hope I hope the viewers don't assume that because the four of us didn't mention we're single that we're not single. Because yeah. okay. they made it they made all that they're single, so <laughs> people might assume we're in a relationship. So if you you're single, you should probably plug that out now. Plug. I'm single. I'm in town. You, you see, that's your problem. That is your problem. You're making assumptions. There's a meaning to it. Financial literacy. Every guy needs cash. We can't broke no more. no more. Money got rise up to the top floor. Right. Invest the bread, got save some more. Yeah. One count some money to me and them sore. Uh. Nah, snatch no chain, nah, rob nobody. Use the lessons I learn from. Mommy can't be a failure. Gotta be somebody, gotta make some money. Yeah. Common sense. You can't be a dunce, dog, you gotta get sense. Yeah.